welcome to the House of Blues. <laughs> no, the blues, it's a place of pain, a place of uh, hurt and suffering. It's a place where you get wronged in life, where you get discouraged. In fact, I believe if you find yourself in the House of Blues, that it happens when life kind of takes that unexpected turn. In fact, it's an unwanted turn in in your life. Uh, Things don't go the way you planned. Uh, They begin to kind of unwind. And sometimes the House of Blues is is a single event in your life that takes you there. And other times it comes in clusters, and it's a long season. Now, we have all been there. Uh, some of you are there today. You would say, you know what, I am in the House of Blues today. And uh, there's something I've figured out, though. House of Blues, it's part of life, okay? It, It is not an if I'll go to the House of Blues. It is a when in your life. When will you go? Because we all go there. And I think when we find ourselves there that there's important questions that we have to ask. Like, what will you do when you're in the House of Blues? You know, how will you deal with it? What will be your reaction to it? Where will your focus be? Who will you be when you're in that House of Blues? When you get that sickening feeling in your gut... That, that feeling that the words really cannot describe, and you see things coming apart, and you find yourself there, what will you do? What will you do? Because I have watched people, and some people kind of close their eyes, and they hope that it goes away. And yet I've watched other people face that house of blues with incredible courage, incredible courage in, in their life. I, I've watched some people, they, they just get angry. And I've watched other people have this kind of inner peace. Some people blame God when they're in the house of blues, and some people draw closer to God. I've watched people crumble, and I've watched people find this incredible strength in their life. I've watched people break down and say, why me? And I've watched people break through and say, okay, what next? What next, God? What's next in my life? In this series, we are going to focus on a guy by the name of Joseph. Joseph, as I read the Old Testament, he's a guy that had every reason to sing the blues in his life. He he faced hurt. He faced pain. He had a lot of injustice in in his life. And, And God just used that stuff and accomplished some amazing things. In fact, I would argue things that could not have been achieved any other way than for, for Joseph to end up in that house of blues. And I want to encourage you this week to get your Bibles out and to read the story. You'll find it in the book of Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible. It's real easy to find. And verses or chapters 37 through 50 covers the bulk of, of his life story. My observation of people when they're in the house of blues is that it is a very tough time. It's a very painful time. In fact, it can be very intense. And I believe that during that 
intensity that it kind of lays things bare. It makes us ask tough questions in our life. And I believe that the House of Blues, when you find yourself there, that you it begins to clarify for you what's important. It redefines your life. And you, you look at things very, very different. It changes you. Some of you would say, yeah, I was changed by that House of Blues. And here's what I know. God always uses it. God always uses your pain. He always uses that, that, those times that are, that are dark if you let him. If you let him. That's been my personal experience. That's been my observation as I've watched people throughout my ministry. And it's true in the life of Joseph that God used it. God used it. God, God takes all that pain, all that suffering, all the injustice in Joseph's life, and God used it. And Joseph understood it. In fact, he makes a, a statement late in his life. Uh, he's kind of looking back. He's assessing what has, what has transpired throughout his life. And he says, you intended to harm me. He's talking to his family here. But he says, but God intended it for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. That statement tells me he absolutely knew that God's hand was in the middle of it. Paul makes a very similar statement in the book of Romans, Romans 8, 28. One of my favorite verses. It says, we know that in all things God works for what? Good. With those who love him. Those who whom he has called according to his purpose. Here's my prayer for this series, that we would come to a point that we really believe that verse. Not just say it, but that we really believe it. We, we have no questions about it. We do not doubt it. We absolutely know that that verse is true, that God will use our pain, God will use our injustice that happens in our life, God will use the hurt, and God will bring about good. God will not waste those days that you spend in the House of Blues. And what I want to focus on today is betrayal, betrayal. And the fact is, betrayal, you see it all over the place. In fact, I would argue it's big business today. There there are a lot of uh, uh, kiss-and-tell books. Uh, Tabloid TV is is full of of betrayal. Those kind of innuendos that that you hear, the, the, oh, leak some information, a few lies, half-truths, exaggerations, whatever. But one person gets really close to someone else, and then they write a book about it. They do an interview and kind of spill it and put it all out there and, and just tell the world. And we love this stuff. You may be sitting there going, oh, no, not me. But we love this stuff. It makes great TV. It makes great conversations around the water cooler on Sunday, or on Sunday morning. Well, it does around here sometimes. But around the water cooler on, on Monday. We love it. True? Can we be honest? We like, we like to hear about it. But we don't like being on the receiving end of it, do we? How many have ever been betrayed in your life? All right. If your hand's not up, just know it's coming someday. 
And when it happens, you find yourself in the house of blues. You find yourself saying, why me? And in fact, betrayal, it can be really ugly, but, but there is an, there's an upside to it, believe it or not. The, the fact is, when you read through Scripture, there are lots of stories about betrayal. I mean, it starts in the, the Garden of Eden, and it kind of culminates at the cross. And when I think about betrayal, most of us immediately think about a guy by the name of Judas. You know, you think about what what happened there. It's a very tragic story because it results in the crucifixion of Jesus. And it also resulted in a flood of emotions. In fact, so much so that Judas takes his own life. Betrayal, it, it, it's complicated. It doesn't matter which side of the equation you're on. Doesn't matter whether you're the one being betrayed or the one betraying, it's complicated. And it's something that Joseph had to deal with. Now I need to bring us up to speed a little little history on Joseph's family. Joseph's family was dysfunctional, big time. And his family was so dysfunctional it would make your family seem like the Brady Bunch or something, all right? And those that are too young, turn to somebody and ask them who the Brady Bunch was. But they're, they're off the chain. I mean, they're, they're, they're a mess. This family is, is just messed up. You know, sometimes after the holiday, I'll walk up and people will be having this conversation. Maybe you've had this conversation. Something like this. Well, my family's crazier than yours. I mean... Do you know what my mom and dad did? You know, do you, do you know I've got I've got this uncle. He's crazy. He's all get out and you know right in the middle of Thanksgiving dinner and and off off we go. But I will tell you, Joseph's family was messed up. I mean, they're they're just a mess, big time. You know, they they think about your family, his family. Your family has nothing on his. Jacob. Jacob is the father. He has uh, 12 sons. Joseph's one of them. And Jacob makes a really stupid fathering decision. He decides that of his 12 sons, he's going to favor one of them. He's going to favor Joseph. He went around saying, that's my boy. That's my boy. Look at him. Isn't he amazing? He's my favorite. He's he's my favorite. I've got 12, but he's my favorite one. And Jacob's decision to show this favoritism, when, when I read that, I think it's a bit surprising from a dad, especially this dad. But it's also a bit expected. You see, Jacob... If you roll back the clock, Jacob grew up in a home where his father favored a son. But it wasn't him. It was his twin brother, Esau. Jacob was not favored by his father. He was favored by his mom. Can you imagine that household? Mom favors Jacob. 
dad favors Esau, and it causes this great dissension in the family. It causes a lot of destruction in the family. In fact, we're seeing it in the next generation. But Jacob, because his dad favored his twin brother, he finally he tricks his father into blessing him and recognizing him, and, and he steals the birthright. And we'll go into that uh, down the road, but let it suffice to say, now, Joseph was being favored by Jacob, and everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. Scripture says this, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Because Joseph, see, it gives us a reason at least. Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. Uh, In the Hebrew, you could translate that Gucci, all right? Had a Gucci robe. I'm kidding, but it says, but his brother brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Jacob has this robe tailor-made. And every time Joseph wore it, and he wore it all the time, it was kind of rubbing it in the face of his brothers. Can, can you imagine? I want you to think about that for a minute. Can you imagine... Every morning, Joseph comes out. He's got on this robe that says, I'm the special one. I'm dad's favorite. Can you imagine the resentment if you were his brother or sister? Every time you see the coat, it reminds you that you're not the favorite one. And then then Joseph, he does something that doesn't help the whole situation. The, The fact is, he... God begins to speak to him in in dreams and says, one night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain and suddenly my bundle stood up. And your bundle, your bundles all gathered around and bowed down before mine. His brothers responded, this sounds like brothers. So you think you're going to be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? I imagine this was uh, uh, censored a little bit, what what his brothers actually said. The scripture says his brothers hated him more. And and then he has a, a very similar dream. And scripture records, in picking up at verse 10, it says, this time... He told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What, what kind of dream is that? He asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? Now, I want us to imagine for a moment. Joseph is 17 years old at this point. Joseph had a dream and it was from God. But Joseph's 17 years old. He does not have wisdom, all right? He doesn't have wisdom to know that he probably 
shouldn't be telling everybody about his dream at this point. But he has this dream. And he's jazzed up. He's going to rule. And he's excited about it. 17 years old. He has a master plan. He knows that God has a plan for his life. And so can you picture this? 17 years old. He walks into the house one day after he's had this dream. This isn't in scripture, but this is what I imagine. Can I have your attention, please? Everyone. Hey, over here. Listen, I have an announcement to make. It's a little word from God. Don't have all the details yet. Still trying to figure it out. But this part's absolutely clear to me. You are all going to bow down and worship me someday. What do you think? This is what I imagined because I know what my dad would have done. Yeah, okay, Joseph. But could you take the trash out first? Your majesty. This really was a word from God. But Joseph's 17 years old. God told Joseph, I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to raise you up to a power position. And Joseph has that info now. And God said, not only will your family bow down to you, your brothers, your family, but you're going to rule over all the nations in the world. Fast forward. 13 years later, Joseph, at the age of 30, Pharaoh is the most powerful person in the world. And Pharaoh would turn to Joseph and say, Joseph, you're in charge of everything. 13 years later. And some of you, right now, you're thinking... Well, that's a pretty sweet dream. I'd take a master plan like that. You know, I, I would do that in a heartbeat. When should I start? You know, next week's clear on my schedule. In fact, I'd be willing to start down that path right now. If I just had a dream like that. And here's something I figured out. Discovering. God's will for your life, understanding God's will for your life, and living God's will for your life, it's like a roller coaster ride, friends. Sometimes when you hear that still small voice of God speaking, and God says, This is where I'm leading you, come and follow me. What I've figured out is if you listen closer, You'll hear something like this. Fasten your seatbelts and grab a hold of the bar in front of you. Keep your arms and legs and body inside the ride at all times. And do not step outside until the ride comes to a complete what? Stop. And that's what Joseph's going to discover. There is this wide gap between the dream and the realization in his life. 
In fact, that gap is so wide that I believe it might have been really easy for Joseph when he found himself in that house of blues numerous times in his life, that it might have been really easy for him to lose sight of God's plan for his life. When God gives you a vision, when God gives you a dream, when you feel God calling you a direction, and you begin to lay out that plan, there's times you got to figure out when you can share that dream, and there are times when you got to shut up about that dream and kind of let, let things happen. Joseph, 17 years old, Joseph doesn't shut up when he should shut up. In fact, he's telling everybody. Brothers aren't taking it well. Anger, resentment, it's building. I think that happens in life. I don't know if you've figured out, but there, there are three types of people in your life today. There are people that are with you. There are people that are for you. And there are people that will use you and turn on you and betray you. Three distinct groups. And what I have discovered in life is the bigger the dream, the bigger the vision, the bigger the betrayal in life. Scripture picks up that says, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they were out in the field working, they see him coming, they recognize him in the distance. Do you know why they recognized him? The coat. (laughs) They see him coming. And as he approaches... They made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer. Here he comes. Can you you picture this? Joseph's brothers hated him. They're talking trash about him probably all the time. And now, not only are they talking trash, but now they're plotting. They're planning. And that's kind of how betrayal works. What happens? What happens in your mind when you look around and you see somebody that's really blessed? You look around and you think, well, why them? Why them? Can you see that? You see people and Things seem to be running really well. They're hitting on all cylinders. Things are, are just flowing. They're, they're working for them. You say, well, that's not that hard. I, I, I can see that. But then, it's especially hard to see that when things aren't going well for you. I'm not the only one that thinks like this, am I? I mean, at first, you just notice it. You just notice it. And then you start to envy. And then that amps up, and then you get jealous, and then we start talking about it. And if you're not careful, friends, you start plotting. And there's something I figured out about God's favor in life. It's not fair. Have you figured that out? It's not fair. In God's economy, 
blessings come in different ways. And unfortunately, we tend, in, in this country especially, we tend to notice material blessings more so. They, but there is not an equation to explain why things fall down the way they do in God's economy. Now, now don't misunderstand. We are all blessed. The fact that we live in this country, no matter how poor we are, we are all blessed when you look at the global picture. But the fact is, some are blessed more than others, right? It may not seem fair, but it is a part of God's ultimate plan for you in your life. Envy, jealousy, it fuels betrayal, and if you're not careful, those engines get revving, and pretty soon, we're kind of like Joseph's brothers. It's something we have to struggle with when we see them coming. Why are they blessed? Why did they get that chance to do that? You know, why did they get that opportunity? Why did they get that talent? I'd love to have that talent. Why did they get the looks? Why did they get that family? You know, why did they get the promotion? Why did they get the raise? Why did they get the scholarship? Why did they get to have success in their life? I work hard. It's fuel, friends. It's fuel. And it will fuel up and it can turn in a heartbeat. It happened to King Saul. I mean, shortly after David defeats Goliath, which was a battle Saul absolutely should have fought himself. But he didn't. And David did. So so Saul... And his troops, they're coming back into the city after the victory. And people have lined the streets and they're cheering and they're singing. And scripture says this in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 18, 7 through 9. says this was their song. They're singing this. I won't sing it for you this morning. But it says Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. And it says... This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They, they credit David with 10,000 and me with only 1,000. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a what? Jealous eye on David. Jealous eye. It's a dangerous thing. Friends, if you keep looking through a jealous eye long enough, Trust me, you will find yourself not just talking trash. You will find yourself plotting and planning. And one day, you'll just make a move. Things start to kind of unravel. They get really twisted, a little sinister. And then you, you just start lying. Why? Because you're covering your trail. Or tail, your choice. You find yourself doing something that you never thought you would possibly do. And betrayal, friends, it hurts. It hurts. Some of you today, the wounds are fresh. You're like, Damon, you're, you're absolutely right. Betrayal, it's horrible. And I, I had a great family. Things were going great. 
And then my spouse slept with someone. Destroyed it all. Destroyed it all. Oh. I, I had this great business. I, I had this partner. And they cleaned me out. I mean, they stole from me. They took half my clients. They, they've opened their own company. And now I'm not even sure I can keep my company going anymore. It, it's horrible. I shared something with a good friend of mine. I shared it in confidence. They posted it on Facebook, and now everybody knows. Betrayal, friends, hurts. It's painful. It it destroys. Joseph's brothers are out in the field, and they're working the crops. Jacob sends Joseph, his son, out to check on them. And to report back what they're doing out there. So Joseph heads out. His brothers see him coming. They begin plotting and planning. Verse 23. Pick up in Genesis 37. It says, So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him. And they threw him in the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Can you picture that? Cistern's empty. But it's full of stuff. It's full of bitterness. Full of anger. full, Full of resentment. Full of loneliness. Full of mistrust. It is filled up. Trust me. And I am pretty sure... That when Joseph found himself down in this hole that he couldn't get out of, I think he was humbled in that moment. Broken. Probably a little bit confused. But there's something else I want you to see in the story. You see, Joseph's brothers... They ripped the coat off. That's not surprising, is it? It was a symbol. It was a symbol of him being favored. But they disrespect him. They ripped his coat off. And so Joseph, this this man of God, or young man of God, he's disrobed. And what I want you to picture here. And this may sound a little bit strange, but I want you to picture Cain Velasquez. How many of you know who that is? All right, we got a couple people that that watch the UFC, right? Heavyweight champion of the world. Undefeated. I mean, this guy, he's, he's something when he steps into the ring. But when Velasquez takes off his robe, what's he getting ready to do? Somebody that watches it? What's he getting ready to do when he takes the robe off? Fight! Joseph, he's humbled, he's broken, he's confused. But Joseph, maybe he doesn't know it in that moment, but he's getting ready for a fight. He's getting ready for a faith fight in his life. A faith fight that's going to change him. He's getting ready to fight with the evil one. His brothers, they're looking at him. They don't even realize 
that that's what's getting ready to happen. But, but it's interesting that that's going to be a defining moment for him. I also find it interesting. Where did these brothers get this crazy idea? I mean, think about it. This is a pretty bizarre idea. Throw a brother down in a hole and uh, let him die. But if you track back in Jacob's life, remember I told you Jacob stole the birthright from his brother. If you read Jacob's resume, he used deception to steal. He also used a goat skin to steal the birthright. And I'm, it's too complicated of a story, but we'll talk about it in a few weeks, okay? But he uses this goat skin because his brother was hairy, and so he wanted dad to feel that his dad was blind and for him to touch the goat skin and think that it was Esau. But Jacob deceives and betrays Esau and he betrays Isaac, okay? We'll talk about that in a few weeks. But what, what, I, what strikes me interesting here is that Jacob's brothers, or Joseph's brothers, use a goat again, but they're going to use the blood of the goat, and they're going to cover that Gucci robe with the blood, and they're going to tell this very deceptive story to their father so they can deceive him. And tell him, you know what, Joseph's dead. And I just find that interesting from a, a kind of a biblical fact point of view. That how the deception and the goat and everything are kind of weaved through these two stories. It's better than reality TV, isn't it? Betrayal. Jealousy. Envy. It's taken root in the family. Deception. It's beginning to spread into multiple generations. And now we have an opportunity to kind of break that cycle of betrayal. Maybe today, maybe you're on the receiving end. Maybe you're on the giving end. I don't know. Joseph, Joseph's in this cistern. It's a pit. It's it's painful. It is a house of blues And it is dark and it is lonely. And I am absolutely sure at times it was overwhelming for him in his life. You know, it was getting to him. Some of you today, you've been given a black tie invitation to the House of Blues. And it's a pit. It's a pity party. It's all about my pitiful situation. And I understand that. I understand there's nothing quite like being betrayed. And I understand you got to work through that stuff. And I understand that there's a grieving process to making your way through that. And I have talked to people that are in the midst of that, that have gone through it. I've talked to people that have gone through divorces and that have been cleaned out. I've talked to people that have been shafted in life. I've talked to people that have been shamed in front of their peers. I've talked to people that have been disrespected. I understand all that, okay? I get it. 
But there comes a time, there comes a time when you have to do the Velasquez thing. You have to fight the evil one. You have got to not just break down, but you've got to break through. And don't misunderstand me. See, I believe Joseph needed a breakdown in his life. He needed to be shook into reality. He thought he was the man, and he's bragging about it, and he's telling everybody. But do you notice what happens in the story? God allows him to be tossed in the pit. God allows him to visit the house of blues. God didn't cause it. But God allowed it. Okay? Big difference. God allowed it. It, It's a pit stop in his life. And in a pit stop, what you find is when you are in that house of blues, you evaluate things. You reprioritize in your life. You begin to search for your identity. You begin to look for meaning. You begin to question your purpose in life and where things are going. And that pit stop serves a purpose and God uses it. Do you hear that? God uses it. Every time I've been in the pit, I'm going to speak out of personal experience. Every time, God used it. The last time I was in the pit, a lot of pain, a lot of betrayal. But while I was in that house of blues, I started evaluating, started questioning, started reprioritizing in my life, it really just kind of took the foundation out and said, what are you doing? Every time I've been there, it just starts that whole reprioritizing process, okay? It's a pit stop. You do not have to take up residency there. Some people do. You do not have to live there. Understand, House of Blues, season, it's fine. It's part of life. But we are not to live there. We're not to take up residency. If you take up residency there, friends, it gets dark. It gets really dark. The fact is you you start building walls. Begin to say things like, I'm never going to love again. I'm never going to trust again. You start isolating yourself. And if you're not careful, what what happens is you start trying to drag people in the pit with you because you want them to be miserable with you. True? You want them to sing the blues with you. And I want to tell you, that is not how we are created to live. God did not design you to live that way. We are to break out and break through that time. We're to not live there. In the pit, I've discovered something. You keep singing the blues, why me, why me, why me? It gets you in trouble. At some point, you've got to start seeking God. Here's what I've discovered. Every time I've been in the pit, If you don't get anything else this morning, I want you to get this. Every time I've been in the pit, 
I discovered God was preparing me for what God had prepared for me. This is huge, friends. This is a game changer in life. God is preparing you for what God has prepared for you. Do you hear that? God is preparing you for what he has prepared for you. And I know as I say that, if you're in that house of blues today, some of you are going, but Damon, I I hate the pit. I hate this house of blues. I hate it. It's cold. It's dark. It's painful. I'm going to say this one more time. God is preparing you for what God has prepared for you. God didn't cause the pit, but God allowed it. Maybe, maybe to break you. Maybe. But God allowed it. And at some point, you have to quit looking around. You have to quit looking down. And you've got to quit living in the house of blues going, why me, why me, why me, poor me. And you've got to look up and just say, what now, God? What now, God? I told you, last time I was in the pit, I started evaluating. I started questioning. And I finally, after some time, worked through that and said, okay, what next, God? Friends, because of that pit, that house of blues, gave birth to faith fellowship. Here's what I want you to get. Had I not gone through the betrayal, had I not gone through the pain, had I not gone through the hurt and found myself in that pit, in that house of blues, I would not be standing here today. That's simple. Now, I can thank God today, okay, now. I can thank God for the pit. I can thank God for the house of blues. I can thank God for the breakdown because God enabled me to break out of it and break through it. God is preparing you. God is preparing you for what God has prepared for you. I don't care how deep the pit is. I don't care how horrible you think it is. I don't care how long you've been in that house of blues. God is waiting to bring you out. God is waiting to use that time, to use those blues. God will always, 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 say that with me, always use it for a purpose. If you will just look up and say, what next, God? Some of you need to do that today. It's what Joseph did. And we're going to look at where that took him in his life next week. Friends, I want to encourage you. Some of you today, you just need to find a quiet place. And you need to quit saying, why me? And you just need to say, okay, God, what next? And here's the promise. And some of you need to put this on your refrigerator You need to say it to yourself every morning. You need to pray it. You need to meditate it. You need to believe it because it's true. The psalmist writes, he says, He pulled me out of a dangerous pit, out of the deadly quicksand. Pulled me out of that house of blues. 
And He set me safely on a rock and made me secure. God, God promises He'll do that. 